0: This is Audience Meets Artist from Augustana Arts. We bring you behind-the-scenes stories from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed artists. Today, Executive Director Lynn Nestingen speaks with Adam and Jess Riggs. Adam is Principal Cellist of Stratus Chamber Orchestra. Jess is founder of Life Art Dance Ensemble. Both Adam and Jess have been involved with Augustana Arts for
1: many years
0: me about your family and your upbringing was your dad musical
1: uh no um <laughs> uh, my dad is uh, or was i guess he retired a couple years ago uh a chemist uh he was an analytical chemist so he um would do uh i mean the company he worked for was crop protection um and they would do a lot of uh know chemicals that would specify one specific like bug or or a parasite or something that would be on the on the crops and you know with with farmers they don't want to spend a lot of money spraying willy-nilly like they cost a lot of money to do that so they're trying to find something that's very specific and and safe for humans and so he would actually analyze like somebody else would come up with the actual chemical um and then he would go through and run all these tests on it to to make sure it actually did what it said it was supposed to do um so that's what he did Uh, my mom was a as a teacher for, well, actually she kind of was a teacher before I was born and maybe a little bit after I was born and then, um, she had Parkinson's pretty early on. So she stopped teaching and was at the house most of the time. She was looking after the day-to-day stuff in the house. Cause she was, she started to, to realize that the tremor started to get to be too much, um, for just for her to teach. Um, and that meant that she was at home a lot. So when it came to, you know, doing things like homework or, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes annoyingly so, she was always there to help um, <laughs> at an annoying level almost because it was like never I could go do my homework and then write this paper and, you know, submit it. She had to go through word by word by word, you know, to, to edit it, which at the time I hated. Um, but I, I was always grateful that she was able to be there, um, you know, because a lot of kids don't have that, that quite that support system. Um, and, you know, and uh, music was a big part of it. I mean, she wasn't a musician either. She was, uh, well, she had played violin for like a year or two when she was in, uh, in elementary school. Um, nothing to write home about. And so that was like the big thing in our life. Like that was the con- one big consistency, like nothing else took precedence over that. Like every weekend we go to our group class and we go to our, you know, recitals and we go to all that kind of stuff. Um, and she was very white and black in that regard. Like it was either all or nothing. And I'm, you know, again, sometimes that was annoying, but other times I'm so glad because it it made me appreciate the music the way that I do. And, you know, it's been the longest thing I've ever done in my life. Um that support system, I mean both of my parents were very appreciative of it and very very involved with it, but neither one of them being a musician, I think, may have been helpful in some ways because there wasn't that sort of expectation I had to live up to. I could just do it at my own pace.
0: So you had a brother who also played uh an, an instrument. Is yeah, that
1: what He was it? a violinist. Um and he he did it he got pretty good. Um and then he just since I decided at the end of high school that he I wanted to make his life more challenging and become an actor. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened with his musical uh, endeavors. I mean, like, he got pretty good after I left to go to college, but I guess it wasn't for him.
0: So you obviously um, had the interest at an early age um but it continued on uh because you now are a professional cellist and teaching so what do you think was the impetus or was there anyone then in your life that had that creative side that inspired you to want to take it further
1: i think really what it was was the amount of listening and the amount of like just i watched a lot of like i mean yo-yo ma was a big influence on, on me obviously like i did a lot of watching his videos and just sort of listening to all the music that was available and it, it just struck a chord with me, I guess. I don't really know, like, it was pretty obvious to me pretty early on that that's what I wanted to do. I was going to be the next Jo-Yo Ma. And being, <laughs> being um, like, that obviously changed because, you know, there's more to it than just, just saying that. Um, I, I never really felt like there was anything else that I really wanted to, you know, to pursue, even though it was like, I mean, I was decent at it when I was a kid. Like I, Progressed pretty quickly. I did all the right things and listened and you know practiced a lot. And um, but yeah, I don't think there was anybody in my family per, per se. They they enjoyed listening to me, but there wasn't like this sort of you know f- familial member of in my family who had any kind of music background at all. I'm kind of like the black sheep in some ways.
0: Yeah. Well, and you grew up in Canada, is that correct? Yeah. Ontario.
1: Yeah. I mean, the town I grew up in. I guess that was also true too. That it's a very sort of small town, but it's it's got a lot of culture in it. Um, a lot of you know for its size, and so there, there's there's a huge Suzuki school there that um, that is kind of. I mean, we don't even have one here in, in Colorado to that to match that kind of experience, and um, and so yeah, I was very grateful, I guess, to be have that kind of um, environment as well. To, that was sort of very supportive of the arts, and people came to concerts, they came out to stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. which I think is actually probably the biggest difference between Canada and the United States that I've noticed is like people actually show up to stuff in Canada. Like on my grad recital for my college, I had like 90 people at my recital. I could probably be 15 of the ones in the States, like nobody came. It wasn't a big deal. Like, came to those things. It's just a dime a dozen. But you know, Canada, I had 90 people. It was crazy. But
0: I wonder if it's, you know, there are so many opportunities. And particularly in Denver, I feel like we sometimes compete with so many other uh, options for a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, whether it's sports events or, mu- you know, a, a, a concert.
2: Yeah, not to mention all the things that you can do in the mountains. Um, right. So
0: where did you grow up, Jessica?
2: I'm. We, well, growing up, I lived in several different states, uh, Idaho, New Mexico, and then here. And so my dad was in mining, so we moved around a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. not a ton, but some. So I spent high school and further here in the Denver area in Golden. My family is also not artistic. In fact, my mom's an occupational therapist. My dad is a metallurgist and my sister, she's a teacher but she's also interested in natural sciences. And so that was her background too. So I'm also a black sheep of my family. (laughs) I do have some cousins that are artistic. So it like, came with this generation of cousins, so we have a little more artistry going on, but um, I think I'm the only performer.
0: But you also, I think, have a background in dietitian and, and health and nutrition, so there's a little science and... I can turn it on if I have to.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that's what makes for a good, good dancer, right? Is good health and staying strong and fit. Right, right. To me, it sounds like a wonderful combination for a dancer and a performer to I agree.
2: It's good it's definitely good to know about the body. I remember one time I was working for King Supers as a dietitian and we had little booths that we'd set up in stores and I had this lady come up to me one day and it was she started talking to me and she's talking to me about her daughter. And how her daughter wanted to go to college for dance and nutrition, and what a stupid combination was that. And I was like, uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I did. <laughs> it was really funny. She definitely ate her words after that. <laughs> it was like, oh. no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just said, oh, well, that's, that's what I did.
2: <laughs> I'm also a registered dietitian, yes.
0: So. Yeah so Adam, you were in Connecticut, I think is that when? And then you came to the um, University of Colorado to get your doctorate?
1: Yeah, so yeah I went from um, undergrad in, in Ontario and then I went to the Harvard school um, which was <laughs> kind of funny. I didn't even actually audition there. I um, it was one of those like the teacher told me, hey yeah I'm uh, by the way, now leave audition for me at this school. I'm leaving. I'm actually going to the hard school. And I was like, Oh, okay. What does this mean? He's like, well, I want you to come. You just have to apply it to do this kind of stuff. And then I had to do this really awkward interview after he told me that with the Dean of this the school or the music school or whatever, and saying, Oh, this, this is all the great programs that's going to happen here. I don't even think the teacher had told the school that he was leaving at that point. So it was really awkward. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm not coming here, but these guys like going through like, Mr. Tettle does all this stuff. He does this and does this. And I'm like, great. Uh. <laughs> but then so that was great I mean because what was funny is was like I had gone through and like really investigated every school that I had applied to for my master's and went and visited the campus and went and visited everything because I was I was kind of nervous about doing it and then I was kind of just like this leap of faith that I hadn't gone to that place I should probably go there and see what it's like but um but yeah I mean I really liked it actually it was a good it was a good uh environment to be in it was um and i used to have a, a music building that our music school that was like its own building its own um you know had a little more resources than like its own library like when i went to undergrad we didn't have a music library it was sort of like a section in the main library um and so Harvard had this like awesome separate building that was like the music library but yeah i mean i think it was a it was a great school and it's uh it got me into the you know into the the uh US schools um, a little more because I, I always knew that I was going to do my undergrad in Canada because um, I just it was cheaper, um, significantly cheaper. Um, and and my teacher at the time of my undergrad was, was teaching at the school I went to, so it was a nice sort of smooth transition. But I knew that my master's, and if I did a doctorate, which I ended up doing, um, I was going to be in the States because there really wasn't too much like there's maybe about four or five, five or six big music schools in Canada there's like a plethora of them down here. So, um, yeah, I knew I was going to do that and come down here and it was, it was good
0: and then so coming out to colorado boulder for your doctorate is that how you both met then here in colorado or let's hear that story
1: Uh, okay um (laughs) so the yeah we met online we'll say that That
0: (laughs) i I mean everything's online now so (laughs) so. now um
1: no i got to uh to see you and i was at a point where um you know being a a doctorate student at that point you know I, people I was meeting I suddenly came to the realization that it's like everybody's either married already or they are like engaged or just with, with, with somebody for a long time so like it's it's gonna be harder and harder to find somebody at school um, it's just not gonna really happen and then I was talking to a, a colleague at school and she said oh I met my husband on eHarmony and I was like okay and I had tried actually eHarmony when I, mean, I was in Connecticut and they got like one weird response and that was it and i was like okay this is I don't want to spend money on this um but she said okay you know just just like you no know, I'll run my pro run I'll run, so run your profile by me before you throw it up there and then and then you know just try it so I, I said okay I'll do it for like three months I'll just like this is it I'm gonna just you know if after that trial period is done I don't find anything it's done and then she popped up like in the second month. And so, yeah. When yeah. I was
2: working as a dietitian at that time for volunteers of America with a, the older adult population living in subsidized housing. So that was who I came in contact with all the time. Yeah. So there really wasn't like a, neither of a so we don't go to bars like this is
1: not what we do. So
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So we just needed that little impetus to get us actually to cross over. And that kind of was what it was.
0: So you guys, uh, connected you went on a few dates and when did you eventually tie the knot was it years later or how long ago
2: a year and a half later so okay. it's been eight years now that we've been married yeah in a couple of months yeah
1: yeah so um, yeah i mean like we, we met it wasn't it wasn't that i think it was like seven months or something after we met that we got engaged i think um but yeah it was um, it was nine months. <laughs> oh, nine months. I can't count. Sorry. <laughs> close. Yeah. Um, close.
0: Can't count as a musician, right? I've struggled
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I can't count. laughs> my whole life. <laughs> can't count.
0: So, Jessica, you founded the Life Art Dance Ensemble, and uh, and at, congratulations! By the way, Everyday Hero in 2017, I ah. saw that on there, and uh, very, very impressed with that honor and well deserved. But it sounds like since you were working with in. Um, homes or areas that um, were low income tell us about the founding then of Life Art Dance Ensemble and how that all kind comes together.
2: Well it was kind of like I guess a bit of a perfect storm so I was working um, going into subsidized housing facilities and teaching classes like a lot of different classes for the Volunteers of America Nutrition classes, arthritis foundation, exercise program, um, fall prevention type classes. And the thing that I noticed is that people would just come regardless of whether they cared about the information or what the class was going to be. They were just coming because there was very little going on otherwise, right? So there wasn't a lot of activities available in many of these places because the budget was just not high for that. Um, And so that's kind of where the idea came along to bring performances into these locations. And um, at the time, also my old dance teacher from high school offered up her studio for rehearsal. And then I had some dancers I knew and it just kind of like came together um so I just went ahead and started it <laughs> and then I learned a lot on the way as to how to run a nonprofit because that's one thing like in, in my schooling as a dance performance degree we didn't get a lot of business type education and they didn't tell us anything like that like, what's the business side of things when you get I even if you're not running a nonprofit like most people are contract-based workers. So how do you deal with like the taxes on that, et cetera? So it's kind of what it comes out to. I learned a lot through the process. I know how to do it now. <laughs> it just took, you know, several years. It's 11 yes, it's we're 11, years eleven years old now. So <laughs>
0: crazy. Well, you both have that entrepreneurial spirit because, Adam, you um, have a studio, correct? And, uh, well, you're also a photographer, Sounds like so. <laughs> I, how's that going for you right now?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the photography—it's non-existent right now. Um, I mean, <laughs> okay. I've, been, I've been doing some, some uh, video work in the last little okay. while than than photography. I've been I've been sort of taking this pretty seriously and and, and, and trying not to go out and, and see as many people as possible, just because I, um, you know, it scares me. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. but no, the photography thing like that that's been like something i've always been interested in and i've um you know i i i I can't profess to have any sort of training in it it's been mostly self-taught um you know i just i just got a camera when i was in college and and you know uh shot everything i mean i literally go on hikes and take pictures of rocks take pictures of whatever just anything um and i just got got good at, at, at sort of figuring out the whole editing thing and how do you how can you change certain things and i you know, when I first started off, my photos were heavily, heavily edited with all these cool special effects. And and then as I've gotten more into you know actually doing paid gigs and stuff like that, I'm just like, I don't have time for that. And it doesn't actually like, I just I make it I figure out how to make the picture look as best as possible without any stupid effects and features and things that don't need to be there. I've done a lot of stuff with actually Boulder Phil, I've taken a lot of photos for them. I've um when they haven't called me up to play, I'm usually occasionally on the actually on the other side of things with the camera you Know and I've done stuff for I do a lot of dance photography. Fortunately, have a, a wonderful uh dance company to, to <laughs> sort of uh this yeah. stuff with. Whenever <laughs> I, you know, when I when I first met her, I just I mean, I would come to rehearsals and take pictures of any you know, all the rehearsals, everything just like I just was just trying to get as, as good as I could with that that whole kind of um uh, genre. And it, it's because it's a difficult one to take photos of, you've got to be be quick with everything and you got to be able to take take a lot of photos and and just you know the camera never leaves your eye kind of thing so um but yeah it's been kind of fun and then my studio that's i mean it's it's yeah business, business classes style. would be yeah again the right. same thing with singing <laughs> with, with, with Justin in regards to school and if, if that wasn't enough i, I a couple of years ago i started Colorado Cello summit which is like um talk like lectures um on various topics you know ranging from how bows are made, how cellos are made um, to like the bot cello suites and certain bowings. And, we, you know, it's, it's ranged all over. We've had people, um, we had a string lab last year, actually this year back in, it seems like last year, back <laughs> in January. Um, but I mean, like it was, you know, where people, the, we had the shop come in and he brought a whole bunch of of different uh, types of larsen strings. And so people were able to try them. And, but I mean, it's, it's essentially designed to create an environment for cellists in Colorado to of all all ages and stages, pretty much, I guess, maybe not like five-year-olds, but a little older than that. Um, but, you know, really to sort of have a community so that they feel like they're not just taking lessons with their studio teacher and not seeing anybody else. There's like, there's a, there's a community out there and, and cello can be a lot of fun to play um with others and and the versatility of the instrument is huge
0: yeah you know i mean we're all finding ourselves having to adapt and and pivot into new directions or new means of you know putting out what we want to put out um and i find myself asking my uh, the question you know had i known now then what i know now how would i have done things differently a year ago i mean what do you think i mean what If you knew now how things are back then, let's say a year ago, or even, you know, in your training, anything that you would be doing differently, do you think, or would have done differently?
1: I don't know. It's sort of – it's hard to prepare for something like this. I mean, like, you know, we – we, we saw, you know, I was reading the articles and in, in the, you know, the, the news about what was going on in Wuhan when the first, you know, started over there and I was, you know, they were, they were talking pretty seriously about it, but, you know, it didn't seem like it was going to make it over here or if it did it, you know, we didn't know how serious it was. And there was all this, you know, so discussion and I don't, you know you even if you know that thing's gonna come like it's hard to sit there and say okay what's is all the all are all the towns and and all the business is gonna shut down like that that's something i never expected um you know and so then you're being forced to figure all this stuff out um right. so well i
2: guess the, the answer is like for me i would have learned more about technology like this earlier <laughs> because it took us like a little bit to figure out how to make our internet connection stable enough that i can teach out of i have a little she shed out back that we turned into a small little studio for me but it's far away from the modem so we had to we it took about a month to figure out exactly the right scenario that would bring the internet at good speed out there um so that i wouldn't have trouble uh with connections so like I would want to get smarter about technology before.
0: <laughs> well, You know, I think, I mean, we hope and, and can't wait for that day when things um, loosen up a little bit, at least, uh, whether it's because of a vaccine um, before us or, you know, the pandemic subsides. Um, but do you do you feel like perhaps there's some things that we'll retain? Like, like you said, Adam, we've learned a lot and we've got some new technology or, you know, we put in place some things that actually have, created a smaller world in a lot of ways which i agree i think that's a wonderful way positive way to think about this uh, situation that we're finding ourselves in um but now you know when we look to the day when things will loosen up a little bit what do you see us retaining and holding on to and just because it's working for us
1: um i i see like festivals i see um more live streaming i see more um mm-hmm. more like, access more access to, to, to things like that i don't i mean i, I think what, what i think's gonna happen too now is instead of being speaking live streaming and being free i think that people are going to utilize some of the like you pay for a concert ticket but you don't have to go out there or you can watch a concert you know like kind of like what the berlin phil's been doing for a while but like you know having like a whole um like media wing to, to the to the each orchestra kind of thing, and so or festivals or whatever, so that people can watch it from wherever in the world they want to, and they just pay a ticket, so that there's actually like some revenue being happening there, and I and I hope that you know again it builds a big bigger um, community with worldwide. You know, I think it's really cool when you connect with somebody from, over from Europe who like, you don't even know. And they just like say, Hey, I watched your video. I love what you just did there. Um, or we you know, how did you do that? Do this thing with the, with the camera? How did you, you know, with, with some of the videos that I put out and it's, um, it's really cool that, that like, Hey, somebody over in Belgium watched my video and, and asked me this question and it's like, it's, it's making the world even smaller. And I think that that in some way is, is going to be a good thing for music, for arts. Um, and if we can, can, if we can make uh, take tap the access not just of our own town, but of like the country or the world, people to come and watch this stuff. I think that's going to be really great for for funding and, and keeping arts organizations going. So I hope that's what keeps going um, with this kind of stuff. And I also hope to a certain extent that people realize that there's certain things we don't need to do to trap, like we don't need to travel everywhere for things. So we might actually have more time for our own families and our own our own personal lives a little bit more too with some of this stuff. I think that's, that's been a positive for me. Yeah, in this where whole. are our
2: priorities? Yeah, we
1: are our priorities and stuff? And uh, you can still do what you, what love doing or what you're doing without having to like, not be around your family as much, I guess. Um,
0: mm-hmm. What are your plans for life art dance? Um, getting out to the community and to those populations that just so enjoy what you guys have offered
2: no well what well, do you should ask that <laughs> right the um well basically this year all of the activity rooms that we normally utilize are closed so we there and um, we we've done a window concert or two um oh. with the facilities so like what that is is you do about a 20 minute performance four times around the building, and they can watch out their windows basically that's that. what you know is live available but um we had this whole show around the Bach cello suites planned in May, and we actually just wrapped filming a few weeks ago um, for film version of most of the pieces. So we had we had cre- uh, finished, basically finished um, everything but the preludes. We weren't going to dance the preludes for the first three cello suites. And um yeah, all done.
1: Costumes and everything. <laughs> costumes,
2: like crazy six piece costumes that are deconstructible and have panniers and everything, like all of that finished. And then COVID struck and we couldn't actually put a performance on. So we are doing a film version of everything that we can that's not uh, partner work. So there's several pieces that were partner work pieces. So we just didn't do those. The alamans those are very much all about the hands and holding hands and stuff. So to keep the dancers safe while filming, we, danced, we only filmed one dancer at a time, maybe two if they were really far away from each other. Um, but we asked all the parts that were heavily partner based. But what we're gonna do is we're in the, about to start editing that together, create a DVD and a YouTube uh, Playlist that we can send to the coordinators and they can disseminate it with their uh, residents at these places and they can like, check out the DVD or access the YouTube link. That's what we are able to do right now with that. So, yeah. but that's the plans for the rest of this year. We have plans for next year that we're going to be very flexible with, <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. that is, that's the hardest thing to, have to do is like, do you, do you plan for anything? Do you like when, cause this performing arts, we're going to be the last open up again. And like, that's just the, the nature of like, we get everybody into a small room or, and, and then we they sit close to each other for about a couple hours. I mean, that, that's going to be the last <laughs> thing that people are going to start be comfortable doing again. So. Um, it's really hard to know. Like, do you, you bother planning a season? Do you bother planning this? Like, like I mean, is it's is it you gonna just work into it and find out that hey, you know, nothing's gotten any better yet we're still in this situation? Or do you not plan anything and then suddenly things get better and suddenly oh crap we don't have a season? Know, right? You to go, you know, everybody <laughs> else is doing something. So it's I think that this is from a from an artistic director point of view our executive director point of view too is like this is a nightmare i mean it's just hard to know what what to plan for
2: yeah i've got like plans a's b's and c's which i'm sure you probably do too like if
0: this then that (laughs) yeah yeah but you know i've been thinking about we as a creative uh soul and creative people at least you know it, a lot of people have said it's hit the arts industry really hard and it has there's no doubt but also if anyone's going to come out on top with some new creative ideas um we're the ones right because we're the we've got that that gene or somehow that um savvy to be able to be think outside the box
1: <laughs> so i think it's really cool that like the, one of the first things that happened when this when this shut down is a lot of the orchestras like showed, okay here's, here's a video of us all playing this piece together. And it was like pretty quick after the, it, 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 like everything started closing, like the Toronto symphony had something where they were playing like some, some piece and everybody had sent in their videos and they had to put it, stitched it together. And it was like, you know, here's a creative way of, of solving this problem. Here's here's a, here's a video of us playing this together, you know, for you. And, and like just people are, you know, I guess when you, when, when you've got artistic, um, uh, you lean artistically, you've got artistic vision, and you've got nothing to do because all your gigs are
0: canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
2: right. <laughs> yes. And then the dance film niche, I think, is yeah, it's growing hugely because Explo- that's its own thing, right? Dance film. So that's more than just filming dance. That's the where the camera is the third, fourth, fifth, whatever dancer.
0: Well, we have a lot to look forward to. So, um, so Adam and, and Jessica, I can't think of a better artist duo to interview, to start our podcast series, audience meets artists. I appreciate you guys taking your time to chat a little bit about your backgrounds and how you, how you guys are surviving, what we're having to all go through right now. How do people find you? They're interested in learning more about uh, life art dance and, uh, your photography business and studio business Adam What where, where, where do people go?
1: Well they can go to lifeartdance.org for Life Art Dance Ensemble there's a pretty cool looking website there
2: also for like my classes um, oh, one, if yeah. you are interested in nutrition I have a website called movementandmorsels.com so yeah it has like lists all my cl- the classes that I teach in the area as well
1: yeah, and then I, I got really original with my my websites, and it's Adamrigscello dot and Adamrigs pictures I think. Uh, I should actually check that out <laughs> because I you know I, I do know this, but then I I, I always discuss myself. Did I choose pictures or photography? Which one did I when I when I put this together like eight eight or nine years ago? What did I decide? Uh, <laughs> uh, pictures dot you know, showcases some of my work so.
0: Yeah, and there's so much more that we didn't get a chance to touch on, like your involvement in the Boulder Philharmonic and the Stratus Chamber Orchestra and the collaborative work we've done with uh, Life Art Dance with Stratus. So some really great things, but all of that, um, hopefully people can uh, learn a little bit more on your websites, but uh, track you guys down if they want to uh, explore some creative out- other creative outlets. So thank you very much to both of you for um, taking, uh, the, the leap uh, into this podcast world and we'll keep you posted on when it's, when it's out there and though will appreciate your time Absolutely. Thanks for having us yes. This has been Audience Meets Artist from Augustana Arts. Thanks to Jess and Adam Riggs, the wonderful people who support Augustana Arts and you. Thank you for listening